What was the gap when it comes to I don't life? honestly I don't know. Because mm. if I knew the answer, we would still be in both countries. And welcome back. Another round of the Mission Driven Podcast with Rich Brubaker and Tom Stater. We're both mission-driven entrepreneurs. All right, so today we are going to be starting off another adventure uh, in the Mission Driven Podcast, talking about mindset, talking about purpose, passion, finding your why. Now, Tom, usually I have a long diatribe. I ask you a question. I'm, I'm ending that process. We're going to start off with a video clip, which I'm going to share on the screen here. People say... You, you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. And it's totally true. And the reason is, uh, is because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. And that's what happens to most people, actually. If you really look at, 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 at the ones that uh, ended up you know, being successful, unquote, in the eyes of society and the ones that didn't, the ones that are successful loved what they did so they could persevere when, you know, when it got really tough. And, and the ones that, that didn't love it quit because they're sane. We all started organizations to save the world. We're super passionate. Is he right? I'm not going to say he's right or wrong. I think that most people don't give up with their social enterprise, their, their entrepreneur venture, their for-profit, nonprofit, whatever, because they need to pay the bills. Right. They made a commitment. They got to pay rent. So, you know, I think that he's, but, yeah, he's right. You do need passion, but I think that, so then how important is passion when you're getting started then? People are always looking for a singular answer. They're looking for that like North Star, that like one point of light to like yeah. walk towards, okay? Right. And, and, and that's just not the way the world works. Like for instance, me at the organization, my why is my team mm. by and large. My why is not my programs. Was it okay? before? Like, is, it, is it now yeah. your team? Okay. No, uh, before it was my programs. After when you start out, it's your programs. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, for me, it was programs. And I wanted to prove everyone wrong that like, that like there was a need that schools needed libraries in China and, and I could do it. Right. I want to prove everyone wrong. That was a big why for me on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And then on a, uh, on an organization level, I wanted to, I wanted to make an impact in these schools. I always viewed people who were in my face saying, this can't be done as saying, well, you can't do it, but I believe I can, and I'm going to keep trying at it. And so, yeah, if I succeeded, I was kind of proving my crazy, but I think every entrepreneur on some level has to prove they're crazy because they, at some point say something is wrong in the world and I'm going to fix it. You see a gap and you think you can fix it and everyone's going to think you're insane. I also think that's where, confidence issues come in for a lot of people who are sane because people say, well, that's crazy. Well, that's crazy. And eventually you start to buy it that, yeah, this can't be done because other people are saying so. I, I remember a couple of years back, probably about 10 years ago, the big, the big conversation was what's your vision. And mm -hmm. for gosh, the first 10 years of our organization, we had no vision. We had a mission, but we'd had no vision. All right. No vision right. statement. We were just like, it seemed pretty clear. And so I think this why is just a, another one. Like, you know, what is, what's your why? Well, I don't know. Do you love what you do? You know, do you, do you have to love what you do every day? Really? Like there's, I have some shit days. <laughs> like, yeah. 
I mean, do, do you have some days where you like want to like just pack up and go? No, but I have a lot of days where I want to call lying flat. Just do nothing. <laughs> but it's a romantic idea because you just don't want to pick up your yeah. shit and, and move the ball a little bit further forward because it's a tough day. Like you, you don't have an answer. You're running out of cash. You've got a bunch of people in your face. Like you're just like, I just don't want to deal with this. The cure to losing your why or your organization's why is having an empowered team. That's it. Because the more, like, if I lose my why at the organization, mm. if I go, am I, am I, I'm astray for six months, a year, not yeah. really sure what I'm doing, where I should be, but I have 10 other people that yeah. have their why, well, let's say eight of them do, and two of them are also mm. kind of off, then, you know, it's still pushing forward. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I'm I not, do, I'm going to reframe that a little bit and say, oh, I'm, not cool. sure if, I'm not sure if that's the cure, but I know the death's kiss is not refreshing your why as an organization. Ooh. It starts off, you have that, I'm going to do this, you accomplish mm. it and you flatline. I don't think it's any different than like going to the gym or studying for the bar exam. Like once you hit that, if you don't have the next competition, the next idea, the next thing happening. You talk a lot about this. Yeah. You can just flatline. And that's not a bad thing. Like that's where I think nonprofits can end up as like pet projects for people, right? Like, oh, I've got my side project. And it, it never really grows beyond it's one person. It's 10 people. It's, it's 50 people. Right. Yes. It doesn't matter like what the size is. They're like, I've achieved what I set out to done. And that's where I think the team can come in and bring life or a great board can bring great life. That's the cure. It's like some external, you call it team. I could see investors doing the same thing, boards doing the same thing, um, a government organization saying, Hey, come help us in our city or, you know, whatever. I could see all, all kinds of cures. I work on Nonprofit Insights, which is yeah. predominantly working with organizations in Africa, doing mentoring uh, with founders. 90% of the founders that I talk to in, yeah. in Africa have two whys, in my opinion. Okay. The first why is whatever the mission is. Right. The second why is that guy right there. You know, coming from Asia, doing work in Asia, I yeah. don't see that often. There is this separation of religion, mm -hmm. even in Southeast Asia. There is they, they, there's this there's this they're trying to separate religion from yeah. uh, from from programs. Sure. Whereas I find in Africa there is a marrying of the two. Um, what do you think? Is that a is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or do you think it matters? Religion for me is just an, another external source. And it can be good or bad for you, right? Like a yeah. good or bad board or a good or bad investor, because it can push you in the right or in the wrong way. You can yeah. be stubborn. You can be too flexible. It's just how is it embraced by the organization? And if the organization itself is very religiously driven or the founder is and the team is not, well, you, you can see all kinds of ways it would go either way. I, I am not religious, but... I do understand how it feels 
some mm-hmm. organizations in a very, 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 very positive way. I think the other thing to look at is like, who are they serving through their organization? And if they're serving people who are religious themselves or are more comfortable, you know, being the benefactor of a religious organization, then it's a, it's a good match. But but I guess the, the thing that I keep coming back down to is like, yeah, it's for hands-on, it was actually quite focused. Like mm. this was our singular mission. And actually that has never changed. Now the yes. programs have changed, the people that came in and out have changed their passion. We're changing our board right now because we want to drive the energy up and, yeah. and grow again because we did stagnate, right? We stagnated for yeah. five to six years, if I'm being generous. Um, collective, very different. We took off like a rocket ship with the first team. We were all on board with sustainability, mm. innovation, leadership, sustainability, innovation, leadership. Team two, that stalled out. It broke apart mm. in mid space, right? And, and why that's did where that I, happen? How did that happen? I, I think I totally messed up the team. I had some super passionate people, but they were more professional, which is to say they had, they, they were, they were a little bit older. They had more work experience. The first group was super young, first job out of college, or they'd had a couple of years of work experience. So all passion, skill set in development. Second group, late twenties, early thirties, skill set, mm. more well-defined, great corporate experience. Great. Like they had great experience and they were passionate, but there was a balance there. They had a career. So my China team has always been pretty, pretty solid. You know, they've had their, their challenges up and down, but it's mostly been, it's been mostly kind of like your typical small HR problems with regards to balancing out the different countries and keeping and keeping them working together with a singular why that has been a really difficult challenge for me personally and the organization. Which is interesting because same tools, roughly, same same benefactors, roughly, same same medium of delivery, roughly, roughly, two different teams in two different countries, but only one can be managed or one can be driven. Which, Which one? It was difficult for the two offices, the two countries' offices to see eye to eye on them and so they just didn't communicate very well together what was the gap when it comes to i don't honestly i don't know because Mm. if i knew the answer we would still be in both countries this is the danger i think of passion and having strong why it draws them to us and to our organizations and we can we can fuel the organization. We can fuel ourselves. We can feed off of that. But if there's a problem, what I found was, and I was talking with some people about this, like, look, we are in a place where there's a high level of, so, of emotional equity in the work that they're doing. And the minute anything dings that, they go dark on you like very quick. The team can break apart. The culture can go toxic. The teams won't talk to each other. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that. There are two ways of, of, of hiring people. You can either hire for passion or yeah. you can hire for experience. Pick one. And, and, and what you talked about before was you had a team once that was, had a nice blending of the two. I find mm. hiring for passion and training over time, y- you retain teams 
for a longer period of time, but mm -hmm. also they're able to kind of battle out like these like major, like what, like COVID level yeah. challenges that, that your organizations might have because sure. they have, because they're grounded in the passion. Sure. Um, they're not grounded in. But I guess my question is, how do you then hire teams? Are you looking for people that share the why? Are you looking for people that share 50% and can help you grow? Are you looking for totally distinct, like, wow, they're really different from us in terms of what they want? How, how do you approach that then? Because um, I hire for passion. I would say 50% quit within one month mm. because they realize that it's a lot of work. Right. And, and we allow for that and we do it in an empathetic way. Yeah. And we we're, we're, you know, we just say, listen, so, this is hard work. And so, okay. So you hire for passion, passion, passion for education, the mission, of the vision, the, 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 the programs, the organization, the whatever. Okay. You so know. someone walks in like, I love your brand. I love what you do. You're like. To a degree. I mean. If someone came in and said, I love your brand, I'd be like, what? Are you a marketing manager? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, if they came in and said, I, I'm for the library project. Yeah. Um, education is really important. I really identify with your, 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 your catchphrase, education has changed, which shows that they've been to our website. Yeah. Um, uh, I've read through your history. And uh, I, I want to be a part of the organization's growth. Yeah. Um, I think literacy is really important. Um, mm. And I want to be a part of that. You fit within, in general, the culture that we're trying to build. Then it gets into like, can you do the job? Yeah. Do you yeah, understand what you're doing? Especially like entry level. I don't really care what they can do, except... I care if they have enough between their ears to understand how to be taught. My greatest fear. Have you ever doubted your why? And if yes, so, okay. How do you get back to it? Or do you just give up on it? I don't beat myself up over it. It's the same thing with goals. You know, I like to have short-term goals that are very achievable. And I like to have long-term goals that are unachievable, that mm -hmm. are more aspirational. Same thing with whys. But if you lose, if you lose that, why does that impact you negatively? Like for the things that you're like, I, this is core to me. No, 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 not at all. I mean, I, I get frustrated, of course, you know, when the team talks about programming and I don't align a hundred percent on that um, and they take the programming in a different direction. Well, yeah, that's hard, mm. but you know, that's also not my role. I'm the founder. I am not, my role is very different. My role is more empowerment. It's mm. more direction. What do you do when you, you lose your, you lose your why or some of your whys or all your whys? Well, I'd say like, look, when I got to the burnout phase, burnout number one, I just didn't have one, right? I just wasn't sure what the hell I was doing. And the things that I wanted to do, it was like, yeah, I question whether or not I could achieve it, right? Like, is this even realistic? Yeah. Lately, my issue is more frustration in the sense of like, I'm not sure I'm on the right path to solve the problems that I'm worried about. And so the why is shifting in terms of 
the organization, the medium for change, the all everything. Like, what do I want to focus on? Because my why right now is to get shit done, right? Like, if you agree to the IPCC report on climate change, we got 10 years before this shit hits the fan. Now, should I spend time focused on volunteer events? Should I spend time focused on plastic recovery for shoes? Should I, how should I spend my time? And I will say, this has been one of the more difficult, but one of the more interesting times in the sense that it's made me really question why and how I want to get things done because in 10 years, I want to be able to look back and go, yeah, that was worth it. Right. And worth, it could be, I summited, it could be, I made a ton of money. It could be, I won a bunch of awards. It could be my team is bigger. It could be whatever. But Mm. for me, I'm kind of like, what do I want to achieve in this time that I have? And then, you know, what are the outcomes from there? And I think like, that's been the struggles. Like, my why has shifted quite a bit from, you know, we can do little things and little actions and encouraging that to, oh, we need something much more systematic. And my why now is much less about working with say corporates or working with my own team. And now like through this podcast, empowering others as Mm. well, realizing like my why is now shifting from being the leader to Mm. being someone who empowers or educates or inspires the next group of potential leaders. You are constantly reassessing um, what you're doing and creating impact. Uh, that's something that I don't do. So yeah. I, I reflect once a year on it. Um, and, uh, and then I just kind of like push forward, which I don't necessarily think is very healthy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, is your yearly but, planning then backed up by breaking it down into goals and the tasks and things like that? Or is it like, yeah, yeah. I've got this, like, I've got this document. That's like, uh, uh, it's one of these mind maps. It's just, it's massive. Like it would, it would fit on that wall. How do you get through that process? Core steps. Okay. So I'm an artist. Uh, I think visually. So, so I'll create a, a mind map. And I put me in the middle, all right? Mm. It's it's called me. And then off of that, I branch off the library project. I then branch off nonprofit insights. I branch off creativity, uh, Mm. creative adventures. And I have projects and I have health. And then I have family. And then each of those get branched off. And then I then plan out my entire year. So what do I want to do with the library project? Well, might be communication, might have a website, might have a little bit of programming, might have a little mm-hmm. bit of HR. And the same thing goes for all that. And then I connect those with arrows and mm-hmm. pointing them all around. And most people would look at it and be like, okay, this looks like something the Unabomber would put together. Um, it's just a bit much. And I always update last year's didn't. And I rarely will put mm-hmm. checklists in there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, for example, the book that I'm writing, you know, I put down chapters and, and, and sections and all that, but I didn't look at it after that. Yeah. It was just a, it was just an exercise. But how much of that can you keep in your mind so that you're, when you're going through your, your year or we reference back to it at all, or it's just, I don't reference back at all. Wow. I don't ever open it up wow. at all. It's like almost, almost a rule. 
that I like, it's not a rule, but it's almost a rule mm. where, where I, you know, I'm pretty good with my to-do list every morning. I, I yeah. look at my to-do list and I plan out my day, my week, my month. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of reflecting on that. Like that's what I reflect on. Right. And so, but within my to-do list, I've got the library project as an area yeah. of th- that I focus on. I've right, got right. Uh, nonprofit insights is an area, health is an, in- an area, creativity is an area. And mm-hmm. then within that, I've got projects, but then, you know, I'm, I'm always re- reminded of those, Yeah. but I'm, I don't beat myself up over like, you know what? I, I said, I was going to publish a book this year, last year, and I didn't. Yeah. But you know, I but is did that- donate 150 libraries. But does it get that granular? Like it's not just what you're doing; it's the outcome or the the measurements. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'll I'll put in some measurements on some of it. Some of it I don't. Like I've got like last year was a big thing for social media for me that I would right, really right. wanted to get more into social media. Um, largely missed every single goal of that. Most likely, you know. But well, I just hate social media. But but I did made you progress. Make, okay, yeah. I made progress in areas that I thought I was not going to make progress in more mm. on personal, right. But not on profession, not on the organization. Mm. Um, and so, but am I going to beat myself up over that? No, I'm not. Okay. I'm not, you know, I'll say, okay. Like, because, because I also accomplished a lot of things. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you know, so I'm, I might be setting my whys for the year. Yeah in a way through that, but then I'm not going to like, you know, it's, it's, I've been in this game for so long that I know I'm going to lose my why. Yeah. I I just know. That's interesting. You know, so I just allow for it. So I do elements of, and there's years where I'm really good at it and there's decades where I just don't do shit. Um, And that's why I'm kind of curious, like, how do you reference back to it? Because I, I have a couple of things that I do that I reference back to, and I just, um, yeah, I kind of think like, what are the organizations? What are the pieces on the chessboard that I want to play against the big issue of urban sustainability or humanity, as it were? And, and like, what am I trying to do with each one? Now, for hands-on, early on, it was expansion, more cities, bigger team, more funding, program iteration. Like, there was a lot of things I was trying to get done. Over time, as the team has done more and as I've start to release more kind of responsibility. I've got a few things this year is, you know, improve the board, nail down a few corporate big contracts, which I've done, and then exit from the organization as executive director, move to board, right? Like, and stay there. So three things that I'm focused on, two of them made a lot of progress. The board one, we were nearly finished. The executive director nearly, we're halfway there. And actually, nice. yeah, I mean, on the corporate one, I, I, I nailed down two big projects for um, hands-on that basically gives it funding for another, you know, like for a very long time. Done. So I accomplished that. Collective, totally different. Had all these new program ideas, had all these new things I wanted to accomplish. Oh, yeah, I'm going to struggle to say I've accomplished any of them, but I've made progress in some important ones where the outcome might where the shoots might spring out from the soil next year. It might just take longer, partly because of COVID, partly because of all kinds of issues, right? Like that's where the excuses come in, whatever, just move on. 
but then there's, you know, other things that I, and I'm, it's in my head, but what I don't do is I, my wife does this very well, quarterly, monthly, daily to do tasks, holiday, like it's all planned out. I'm just like, and I used to actually have like a couple pieces of papers, like hands-on collective seeds blog. Like I actually did all that. And I found that, yeah, I would task things off, but I, I don't know. I just haven't maintained that over time. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I feel like a lot of things do fall through the cracks because I don't do that. And that becomes frustration because I'm not achieving. One of the things that kept coming up is we say we're going to do something, but then we don't do it. All right. So we all have a big meeting. We come up with something, an idea, and then we don't do it. It's been a challenge. Yeah. I, I don't think we're unique in this. At the, I think many founders of organizations or executive directors or leadership will sure. relate to that. So what we did was we created a very simple PPT slide yeah, and um, listed out short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals and put dates next to them. And then brought, I bring that up every Monday morning meeting with the team and say, this is the progress that we've made. And then mm -hmm. if we miss a goal, yeah. we don't change the date. We say, all right, we're, we're, and there's some things we're two months late on, but there's also some things that we are ahead of schedule. Mm -hmm. And there's some things that we're right on time. So, and so I don't know if that helps. Well, no. So I actually, so I'm going to bring this back to passion. Then I find that you need that to be accountable when you're in the management cycle of an organization you yes. no longer have a high level of passion driving people in the organization because if you did they would be delivering ahead of time every time all the time they would be working six seven days a week because they want to get shit done but when you start moving into an, an older group a more established group a more process driven group where management structure accountability transparency those things come in, that means that your passion level is coming down. And what's keeping the organization moving forward is that mutual sense of accountability. Now, I had that for team two come in. We realized like passion is not driving people. They're not, they're, I call them the 632 crew. They would leave at 632 every day. It didn't matter what the project was, how exciting it was, what was going, they're out. Even after there's a deadline, they're out. They were happy to miss a deadline. They didn't, they didn't think about it in the same way as the first team that was like, we're just going to go out and just, they want to learn. They want to execute. They really want to have a, an impact. So I find like when there's a shift in the, in the team's kind of structure and why, that's where you need a new management structure. And, and like the reward structures change, the titles change. It all matters very differently. Yes.